This podcast is intended for adult audiences. Over the age of 18, it contains adult language and situations. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this podcast belong solely to us, and not of any employer, organization, committee, or other group or individuals. This podcast is not intended to be taken as professional advice. Welcome to the Swing Nation Podcast, a podcast by swingers for swingers, where we look to educate others and push back on the negative stigmas and misconceptions associated with our lifestyle. Come with us and share our pineapple journey as we travel the globe, interview the experts, learn and grow together. Join the nation. Lacey, we get approached by couples all the time, and they want to know, like, where can they learn the 101s of non-monogamy? Yeah, I totally get it. You want to get in the lifestyle, but you just don't know where to start. We recommend Sex by Sue's class on non-monogamy. She really helps couples learn how to communicate and do the lifestyle the correct way. Yeah, I think this lifestyle, you know, it's crucial not to, to step on the landmines that a lot of us do, you yeah. know, and you kind of learn the hard way, you know. So having a class that you can take online, you know, in the privacy of your own home and kind of learn the ins and outs, learn, you know, how to approach the lifestyle, how to communicate with your partner about it, um, you know, I think it's something worth taking and uh, we highly recommend it. Yeah, so click below in the show notes. You'll find this link for that course. Check it out, guys. Bye. Bye. Most people have unprotected oral sex, right? Be honest. Now think about your last STD test. Did your doctor tickle your throat with something that looked like a giant Q-tip? Probably not. Yet that's the only way to check for oral gonorrhea or chlamydia, which are often asymptomatic. You need a better doctor. You need shamelesscare.com. Use coupon code TSN at checkout. So Lacey, people are asking, how do they get to go to a party or an event with us? They check out swingersociety.net, you create a profile, you sign up for an event, and you come hang out with us. It's super easy. That's right. If you want to party with us and the other faces and names that you know from social media and TikTok, head on over to swingersociety.net. Can't wait to see you there. Hey there, Pineapple People, and welcome to the Swing Nation Podcast. We are your hosts, Northern Guy. And Southern Girl. In today's episode, we have a special episode for you. We are sitting down with Roderick, uh, who is uh, the organizer behind Open. Uh, well, why don't you, uh, for our listeners, why don't you introduce yourself and then tell us a little bit about, uh, if you kind of give us some, the, the high levels of the, the documentary that you're working on. Um, so my name is Roderick Stevens. I'm a filmmaker and artist and writer and so on. And, uh, I've, I'm in the middle of producing a documentary called Open a Journey Through Love, uh, which seeks to destigmatize ethical non-monogamy and examine the profound positive effects it can have on individuals and relationships. And, um, this all came about, uh, my partner and I have been together for five years. Uh, we're not married. But uh, so she refers to me as her probation officer and she's my prom date. And because uh, I always thought boyfriend and girlfriend sounds like we're in high school and partner sounds like we're in business together. But um, we uh, are quite new to this whole uh, lifestyle experience, but we stumbled across it because I do a lot of uh, road trips, a lot of driving for various aspects of the work that I do. And I was on quite a long road trip about two years ago and stumbled upon these lifestyle podcasts. And at the time, I had no idea what lifestyle even meant. And I ended up, I just happened upon this podcast listening to a married couple um, talk about, you know, opening up their marriage. And I ended up listening to all seven years of their relationship in seven days. And that compressed overview just made it crystal clear to my autistic brain the way that this alternate alternative form of relating was impacting their self-esteem and communication and authenticity and compassion and ultimately, of course, intimacy. And I just became hooked. Now, at the time, 
the two of us uh, as individuals and then in our relationship, we weren't anywhere close to being ready to actually say, play with people. You know, our our generation are the ones that have had to go through a major paradigm shift to, you know, grasp the notion of of letting go of these this societal conditioning about monogamy. And so we we weren't ready for that. But what I when I came home from that road trip, I told her, I said, you know, this whole sex with other people thing sounds fun and all, but I do not want to settle for anything less than the kind of relationship that I'm hearing about in these podcasts and and what I could see for us. Um, I've been uh, again a, a component to all of this is I was diagnosed about three years ago with autism, and an important part of my experience with that is. That means, you know, people with autism, the incoming and outgoing filters don't work quite in the normal societally expected ways. So as an example, I am Mr. TMI. Um, I don't know when to shut up. I, I wear my heart on my sleeve. I'm an open book. And I spent years and years thinking that that was a personality choice and kind of being uh, disappointed at how much the world tends to be very guarded and uh, not not very open. And when I got the autism diagnosis, I realized, oh, that's not a personality choice. It's because I have autism and I don't have any idea how to present myself any other way. And, um, you know, it's answered a ton of questions about my own experiences. Well, as soon as we started um, exposing ourselves to this ENM community uh, and finding all of these people that are so much more prone to living more authentically uh, and being more vulnerable, it was like finding home for me. Uh, it's probably the most important thing to my experience is getting to meet all these people who are so much more authentic and, and willing to be very real. And um, so there you go. We, you know, I, I, talked to Jane, my my lovey face, and said, you know, do you trust me? And she did. She knew that I wouldn't have ulterior motives or anything. And I, I just said, well, then we need to start working on the things that, um, you know, I always tell people, uh, all people and relationships would potentially benefit from the things that the lifestyle forces us to deal with. And so I said, let's start dealing with these things. So we started working on our communication, on better identifying what we feel and how to communicate that with each other and and being open and honest about desires and fantasies. And so we just focused on working on our relationship and just figured the sex stuff will, will happen or it won't happen. And that's kind of exactly how it's unfolded. And uh, and then I, I just had so much passion for how ethical non-monogamy and all of its different iterations can impact people and relationships that, you know, I, I kept thinking, how do I merge this with my love of film? And it finally hit me last summer that, oh my God, I need to make a documentary. So here we are a year later. I was going to say, so that was, that was, I was going to ask you how long ago that was. So it was, it was about a year ago. You said you, you were on that car ride and listening to that podcast. Yep. Yep. I, well, the podcast would have been about two years ago. Um, but the decision to make this documentary was last June. So in a couple of weeks, it'll be a year um, that I decided on doing the documentary. And uh, since that time, I've traveled over 25,000 miles, um, compiled so far over 80 hours of footage, uh, interviewed several dozen people. Uh, I'm sure I'll end up at over 100 hours uh, by the time I'm done filming. And um, I've still got you know, a few months of editing to do, but I still have some more interviews uh, that I'm looking to get. So lots of work. Okay. And and then who, so do you mind sharing what podcast it was that you were listening to? Oh, we're all about promoting other podcasts um, here. So it's okay if it wasn't this, yeah, if it yeah, wasn't this one nation, we're, we're okay with it. And I know yep. we don't have seven years yep. of podcasts, so I know it wasn't no, us. No, it's not That's us. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah. No. And obviously, as you guys know, there are so many podcasts out there now. Um, but yeah, the one that I happened to uh, stumble upon two years ago was We Got a Thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Which is one of our personal favorites. And we actually don't, we've never met them. Uh, but, no. but, uh, we definitely respect what, what they do for the community for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, they're they're a great couple, and and we're part of their community, and we joined them at Desire last November, and um, but it was them, and then I I got to say another one that had a really big impact on me was that couple next door, and. That one was specifically what I was really appreciating about it was all of these great friendships that they had developed, you know, with other people in their community. And, you know, now Jane and I are both quite introverted uh, in spite of the fact that I'm running all over the country shooting a documentary. You know, when we go to events and parties and resorts, uh, we tend to be the two that are kind of hanging all over each other in a corner of the pool somewhere watching people. Uh, in fact, our, our handle on Twitter and on like Cassidy is swing traverts. And, um, but, funny. <laughs> but the friendships just, just, uh, really, really grabbed me. And so that, that was another component that, that appealed to me. And then of course, since then we've listened to other podcasts and, uh, you know, looked up other programs that have been out there and it just doesn't seem like anybody, especially in the video space, the, the uh, television space has tackled this subject. You know, Playboy had swing TV, which was fun and served its own purpose, but, um, certainly didn't delve into just the, the relationship aspect of things that, that we're focused on. Yeah. No. And that, that, you know, it's a big, you know, when we first started on, you know, social media and kind of talking about this, it, there was a big motivation for us to, to start the podcast is it just seems like there isn't a lot of good quality um, resources. And even within the podcast space, uh, a lot of the podcasters are, you know, they're storytellers. They're telling about their experience and kind of reliving uh, a lot of, you know, what they've done. But as far as like resources on like, how do you do this? How do you have these conversations? Where do you start? Um, there, there's not a lot of that out there. At least uh, there wasn't for us when we got started. And how long have you guys, not that we're, I'm interviewing you, but remind me, how long have you guys been in the lifestyle? Uh, so me and Lacey have been in the lifestyle um, individually for about seven years, six and a half, almost seven years. Right. Um, and then we've been together for about five years. And the, you know, the interesting thing about our relationship is we actually met in the lifestyle. So we were both singles that were interacting right. in the lifestyle space and then we came together that way uh so it's a little bit a little right. bit different of an angle a little bit different of an approach but uh yeah it, it is interesting so you know you, you say you know you, you listen to this podcast and you were motivated you you instantly went home and talked to your your partner about it uh and she was interested um but then how do you how do you go from that to i want to make a documentary about this well um the two the two components that had the most influence on that decision were one, just it's my nature to be, uh, f for one, I'm, I tend to break everything down in my life. I'm, I'm really intrigued by the components that make things up, the behind the scenes of things, um, the how things are made. And so I tended to, really dig into, well, wh what is it about this alternate form of relating? What is it that's, um, that's creating these changes for people, these transformations for people in their relationships? I was especially, I think the thing that really grabbed me the most at the beginning was how much it often impacts self-esteem, especially the women in the community. And, so I get fascinated with how and why. Um, and then I just have a great deal of passion for filmmaking. I mean, that's, that's been my number one passion, uh, since I came out of the womb. And so I'd been thinking for months about, well, how can I bring these, these two passions together? This long standing passion of mine and this new one. And I tend to think in the narrative space, I'm a screenwriter and a director and a cinematographer. And so I, uh, and a production designer. And so I tend to work in storytelling uh, type movies, not documentaries. So I hadn't even thought of documentary. And then it was at Podcast of Palooza last June in um, Palm Springs that I just happened to be in a conversation with Bomber from uh, Black and Kinky. And, uh, who, as you know, passed away not long ago. And he and I were talking and he said he wanted to go over some possible ideas with me about some television, uh, ideas that he had and so on. And, and just in that conversation, the concept of a documentary, uh, hit me. And it, I mean, it really hit me. I just thought, oh my God, two plus two equals four. And I need to be doing a documentary about this 
because then I'm not trying to come up with a story. I'm letting the story, you know, tell itself. And, you know, I, I feel like I'm in a u- unique position, uh, with regard to this project from several fronts, some of which may sound kind of silly. Um, but one is, um, again, we are in the community. So I'm not someone that's on the outside trying to expose something that's happening on the inside. We participate in this. So we're, we're part of this community. Number two, though, we're newbies, which means I get to capitalize on my wide-eyed wonder and asking questions and learning things and be the, uh, the, the inroad for our audience, which, you know, who we're targeting is people that are just curious about this, people that uh, don't know much about it and probably have lots of uh, misconceptions about how it operates. Um, three, I'm not just a filmmaker, but and I don't mean for this to sound boastful, but but I have a pretty comprehensive technical knowledge of all aspects of filmmaking. And so I know how to shoot and do the audio and edit and do all that sort of thing. And I own a lot of equipment. I have, you know, a nice, a very nice camera package and lighting and all that sort of thing. And then the last one is I happen to love road trips. So there aren't too many people that uh, think nothing of driving for two or two and a half days. Um, but I've been doing that for years for various, you know, when as a filmmaker, um, I worked primarily uh, as a cinematographer, for instance, I worked primarily in Los Angeles, but I live in Arizona. So I was always driving back and forth. Um, I used to do art shows. I also am a fine artist and I used to do art shows all over the country, uh, including in like Atlanta, Georgia and down in Florida and St. Louis and Houston and Northern California. And so I was used to driving all over the country doing art shows and so I just happen to love road trips. So it's like just this perfect combination of components um, that that kind of, I don't know, make me feel like I'm the guy to do this. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, so me and Lacey have been on social media for a while and we, we've had the benefit of having several like viral TikTok videos and stuff like that. And, and over the last two years, we've had, you know, production companies reach out to us about like doing a reality TV show and, and something like that. And we've all, you know, been very skeptical of that. Uh, because like you said, I think, you know, in that type of situation, they're looking for the drama or the sex and they, they want to really play well, up all the provocative us. stuff. Yeah, the provocative yeah, stuff. Yeah, they told us, well, we were looking for the drama. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it is. And they will absolutely concoct the drama for you. Yeah. And especially because you know, like that- we know the stigma that swinging has. We don't want to make that worse. And and. We don't want to make it worse and we don't want to be involved in anything that's going to make it worse. So we've kind yep. of steer clear from that area. Yeah, I, I've been involved in a little bit of reality programming and it's it's very upsetting how um, how much it isn't reality programming. You know, it's all still just scripted, manipulative nonsense. And yeah, they'll absolutely do things that would harm the message that, you know, that we would love to get out there. And you know, it's really important to me. Um, for instance, we've talked about whether we might be able to get together at a big event like Naughty in New Orleans um, to get some footage. And, you know, I have no intention of including explicit footage in this documentary. This is meant to be a palatable, you know, PG-13 or R maybe for some language at most. And so the footage, for instance, that I want to get is people dancing, people socializing, people swimming. Um, uh, and, and if they're topless, we can work with that, but, um, but you know, no genitals or anything. And then as an example, yeah, I might want to get some footage in like a playroom, but it would be like people out of focus or shooting through like sheer curtains or, or something where we're just getting the vibe of what it feels like without it being explicit because, the focus of this documentary is not the sex. It's about the relationship stuff and, and how just even talking about the sex can impact a relationship. Um, one of the people I interviewed was Catherine from Expansive Connections. I don't know if you're familiar with them. We are. And yeah. yeah. And, and one of the things she says is that. Sometimes that's all it is, is the conversation. A lot of couples can really, um, gain a lot just by 
talking about this stuff and exploring how they feel about it. And then they might just translate that into, you know, uh, Bob, another great example. Bob, I don't remember exactly what percentage he said, but uh, Bob uh, Hannaford of Naughty Events said something like more than half of the people that go to Naughty and Nolans are not having sex with other people. They're yeah. just yeah. enjoying the sexy atmosphere. Yeah, it's interesting because um, we, you know, we've gone around and we've we've interviewed various club owners for the podcast and ver- in various like hotel takeover groups and stuff like that. And then we just get back from Hito and talking to them, and and that seems to be the, the pretty pretty standard that about half the people that show up to events um, are are more there for the fun atmosphere for the open minded people. Uh, they like being able to be naked and have fun. Uh, I think there's something to be said for you know if you're a forty and up or thirty and up type person. Um, you can't really go to the club downtown, right? That's where all the 20 year olds hang out. So these people are looking for somewhere fun and kind of sexy where they can hang out and, and dance with people and interact with people. And yeah, I think the lifestyle isn't all about the sex. A lot of it's about the atmosphere and, and the friend group and kind of that, uh, having, you know, being able to socialize with people, uh, when your peers. Yeah. You know, uh, Scott of, uh, Naughty Jim, uh, mentions in, in their interview that, you know, the sex can be great, of course, but it isn't always. But what's usually great is all the flirting leading up to it, all of that sexual energy leading up to it. You know, that's where all that fun energy is. And um yeah, yeah, it's. I talk about that on TikTok a lot. People think that if you walk into a swingers club that you have to partake in the swinging. And there's so many things between, you know, the beginning of your swinging like when you start to the end, there's so many things that you can do to enhance your relationship that have nothing to do with penetration at all. You know, even just flirting with someone, dancing with someone, just kissing someone, just watching another couple. There's so many other hot things that I think people don't realize that could really enhance your relationship without actually doing a full swap. Yep. Yep. You know, as you know, lots of people enjoy the parallel play and, um, you know, I, I, you know, like I mentioned, um, authenticity is such a key thing for me. Um, one of the things I love is the fact that you can meet someone in this environment. You can just meet them and within five minutes be talking about very vulnerable issues. And, um, you know, that, that just, uh, really hooks me. So yeah, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. Yeah. So my, my next question would be, you know, it seems like you're pretty new to this this community. Uh, it sounds like you went to some events. Uh, how did you approach, um, you know, the community, you know, the event organizers? How, how did you get people to agree to, I guess, sit down and film with you? Was, was that difficult? Because I think, you know, if we think about the lifestyle community, they, they tend to be pretty closed off. And I think it is hard to kind of crack in and, and get people's stories and get people to share. Was that difficult for you or, or, or no? It's it's. It has certainly gained momentum. Um, you know, I started, I mean, there you go. Perfect example is I started with the Joneses. I went to them first and said, Hey, I'm going to do this documentary. Um, and you guys and your podcast is such a, a crucial part of my personal journey. And, um, as it's turned out, the documentary is certainly, um, at least initiated based on my journey. Like that's what's sort of, uh, you know, as, as you see in the preview that we released a month ago, you know, I, I ended up realizing that I was going to kind of have to be in it, even though I'm very much a behind the camera person, but it only made sense to at least introduce this project as an, uh, you know, uh, off, offshoot of my journey, my experience and how I discovered things. And then I could let other people take it from there. So I talked to the Joneses and they were just like, yeah, we're not really ready to be that out. Um, which, you know, obviously I can respect. Um, gosh, a, a key reason, a key motivator for doing this documentary is the tragic irony that uh, a high school administrator can cheat on his or her spouse and get a slap on the wrist. But if as a couple, they choose a consensually non-monogamous, non-monogamous relationship, uh, they can lose their career. They can lose their pension and everything. Um, you know, I mentioned that couple next door and they've had to shut down there. 
uh, podcast for fear of that exact thing. And um, so I respected that the Jones didn't want to get on camera, but I just kind of started reaching out to other podcasters and, you know, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember who, uh, oh, well, a few authors. Uh, the very first interview I shot was with Kate Lurie, um, author of Open Deeply. Um, uh, I got very excited after reading uh, Christopher Ryan's Sex at Dawn. And so reached out to him and ended up interviewing him in, in January. Um, and, and then it's kind of built up from there as far as, as the word got around to people, um, you know, they started referring me and, and, uh, vouching for me. And then I was invited to this, uh, ethical non-monogamy summit in Houston last weekend and, uh, ended up, that's where I met and interviewed Brett Chamberlain from open-love.org and Kylie, the, uh, TikToker and content provider, and then Bob Hannaford, the owner of Naughty Events. Um, yeah, so it's just kind of gone from there, right? So once you kind of once you got your foot in the door, people started introducing you to more and more people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then of course, once we released the preview, uh, that's gotten some attention and uh, gotten some people to reach out to me and want to learn more. And and you know. Um, Jane keeps saying, uh, you have like 80 some hours of footage. Don't you have enough content? And I really do. I could stop interviewing people right now and I have way more than enough to do a feature length documentary. But I think you'll agree there's so much potential content in this space that I think we could easily do an entire series, uh, on this topic. And so, I'm treating this project as a singular feature length documentary, but ultimately I really think it could serve as a pilot, uh, and then just do additional episodes on different subtopics. And so with that, between knowing that and just the fact that I love talking, <laughs> I love having these conversations with people. And so, um, I, we, in every interview I've done, we've touched on topics that aren't going to be part of this documentary necessarily because I just love hearing people's stories. Um, I love sharing, you know, what, what we have in common and relating to each other. Um, uh, it, it took me, for instance, because I'm a straight white man, it was easy for me to, and, and, and I should say also, we, you know, came into this through what you might call the social swinging sort of, uh, approach. So it was easy for me to find straight white couples in the swinging space. So it's been a little harder to find other, um, people. So for instance, I, uh, talked to Emma and Finn of, uh, the normalizing non-monogamy podcast. And because of the nature of their podcast and the variety of people that they talked to, they ended up connecting with, with, you know, some more people. For instance, one of my favorite interviews is with an octogenarian couple in Florida that discovered all of this in their seventies. And he discovered his own bisexuality in his seventies. And they're, you know, living these incredible authentic lives now in the sort of sunset years. And, um, um, so let's see, what was my point? Um, <laughs> oh, what? just that I, I'm just enjoying, I, I'm still, happy to interview more people um, until I have to stop because I just think there's so much more we can do um, with this content. And I just love talking to people. So, yeah. And th that's an interesting point. Cause I think, you know, if you, you went to, to me and said, okay, Dan, I want to make a documentary on the lifestyle. Like what should that encompass? I would have a real hard time. Like, picking out, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like compressing that into an hour or two hour long documentary. I, I think that's a real challenge because I think the more you you delve into you know what people refer to the, is the lifestyle or or this kind of alternative lifestyle umbrella or the the non monogamy umbrella. There's so many niches within that community, and there's so many people that are uh, experiencing this lifestyle in, in so many different ways. Um, I think it'd be really hard to niche that down to just a couple hours. Yeah, yeah, agreed. There's so much. I mean, a, a, a very provocative subject that I think needs some attention uh, and could easily fill an episode um, is when I did connect with um, so far three uh, black couples, 
I wanted to hear about their experience with race and the role that race has played uh, in the lifestyle. And, you know, again, that's not something that is we're going to delve into in this documentary, but I just wanted to learn. I just wanted to hear what they had to say. And boy, am I glad I did. And I could absolutely see doing, like I said, yeah, an entire episode on just that. Um, uh, you know, I'd love to do an episode on being outed, uh, do an episode just on cons consent and how that has evolved. And um, so I think there's so much different stuff we can talk about. No, I agree. All right. I think at this point in time, what we'll do is we'll take a little break mm -hmm. and we'll hear from the partners and sponsors of the Swing Nation podcast. Uh, and then when we get back, I kind of want to go over like what you've kind of learned on your journey. And, and if you could talk to some uh, maybe, you know, what you've stumbled upon and what you've been surprised by and maybe what you expected and, and kind of how doing this is, has, uh, you know, what effect it's had on you. So I think when we get Absolutely. back, we'll, we'll hit on all those things. And But for now, let's hear from uh, our sponsors. We here at the Swing Nation podcast are proud to partner with Promescent. Listen, guys, we've all been there. You're having a hot night with a hot chick, maybe a few hot chicks, but you need to kind of delay the time before you pull that trigger. That's where Promescent comes in. They have this awesome product called the Delay Spray. You literally spray it on and it delays the time that you orgasm so you can make sure that your partner is well taken care of. And as swingers, we're all about making sure our partners are well taken care of. And Promescent Delay Spray is the perfect product for that. Click the link in the show notes below to get yours today. Anxiety can cause ED. Like the kind you get while watching your partner with someone else. You're having the time of your life, yet are having stage fright. Most men in the lifestyle use prescription ED medication for this reason. Shameless Care should be your provider. Shameless is less expensive than other companies and has a 50-state network of physicians who are lifestyle-friendly. Use coupon code TSN for $30 off. Shamelesscare.com. The Swing Nation podcast is proud to announce an official partnership with SDC.com. SDC stands for Seek, Discover, Connect. And with over 3 million members in over 50 countries, it's the world's largest lifestyle community and a great place to link up with open-minded couples, singles, and kinksters from around the globe. Whether you're just starting your lifestyle journey or you're an old pro, SDC has something to offer you. With chat rooms, live cams, groups, and blogs, there's always naughty fun to be found. SDC.com also has expert advice, professional articles, and entertaining content to enhance your erotic lifestyle journey. With information about parties, events, clubs, and businesses, SDC is so much more than just a hookup site for swingers. It's truly an epicenter that can keep you plugged into the pulse of the lifestyle community in your area. We personally love the website's ease of use and amazing customer support. They have supported us in our podcast and giving generous donations to our charity fundraising efforts. So if you're looking to connect with like-minded people, click the link in our show notes and sign up for SDC using our affiliate link and receive a full access for 14 days completely free. Make sure you join the Swing Nation SDC group and send us a message. All right, guys, welcome back. Welcome back. We appreciate you listening to our sponsors. Lacey loves our sponsors. I do. She loves them. All right. So we're back here and we're talking we're talking documentary. So uh, before the break, Roderick, I said we want to get a little bit into maybe some of the things that have surprised you. So you said you've you've traveled the U.S. You've talked to you know a bunch of people. You've got hundreds of hours of uh, videotape um, on that journey. Is there anything that really has stood out to you that was surprising to you? Well, um, on the downside, but evolving. Um, when we first started in this, there were, there were two things that kind of disappointed me, but I, I feel like they're in the middle of a lot of change right now. I feel like this whole, uh, ethical non-monogamy space is going through a lot of transformation over the last decade and especially maybe since COVID. Um, one of the issues that I was surprised to learn was that, that, there has long been sort of a tension between the polyamory community and the swinging community. And I was like, well, that makes no sense. Like we're right next door to each other. We, we need to be, you know, supporting each other. And, um, but it seemed like for uh, a lot of years there, 
you know, poly folks seem to think swingers were just freaks and swingers were afraid of the feelings. And, um, but it seems like this community in the middle is what's really exploding where it's people that are not necessarily polyamorous, but they really enjoy developing friendships and, and relationships of sorts with, with their play partners. And, um, so it seems like that tension is, is diffusing, but, uh, it's funny you mentioned that because that's actually, that's been a topic, um, of a lot of conversation lately, mm-hmm. even with our, you know, within our circles that, um, yeah, you definitely have swingers that don't identify as polyamorous, but they're also not just casual sex people. They, they, you know, they build these long-term friendships and have these connections and, and having that type of friendship. And, you know, we call it like friends with intimacy or friends with benefits or however you want to label it. Um, but be, being able to have, you know, uh, a connection with people really just deepens the experience, um, when it comes to sex or when, you know, really when it comes to anything like going on a vacation together or going on some of these trips to some of these resorts and clubs and stuff like that. Um, and you know, once you establish that connection, you're willing to try more things sexually. Like if you think about it in the monogamy space, you know, if you meet somebody off a Tinder and you hook up one night, it's probably going to be your, your basic, I go down on you, you go down on me and then we have sex and that's it. Right. Um, but once you really start to build trust with somebody, you can start exploring, right. Like, Oh, you know, that's when you can get into the, let's see how many things we can fit in a hole or use multiple holes or, or you know, <laughs> yeah. all the kind of kinkier, like naughtier uh, yeah. things. Yeah. You, won't, you don't do that just with a random person and you need somebody that you trust and you respect and you feel comfortable with. So yeah. I, I really, I'm a big advocate for, for that, for that, that middle ground that you, you speak about where, yeah. where yeah. I know you, you're my friend, I trust you, you know, and we can ex- kind of explore our sexuality and explore our fantasies uh, together as a group. I, I love that space. It's one of my favorite. Yeah. 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 I, I had met this, um, couple and, and overheard that they are now in this polyquad. And when I said, Oh, Hey, I heard you. We, we were at a pool at an event and surrounded by people. And I mentioned, Oh, I, you know, I heard about you're in this poly situation now. And he was like, Oh, sh- wait, we, we haven't told everybody. And, and I was like, Okay. And so, yeah, he was saying that, yeah, some of our swinger friends get very anxious about that. And I just was like, that makes no sense to me. And so again, I'd like to think that's changing. And then, and then the other one similarly is that there's been this long standing tension between like the swinging community and the LGBTQ plus community. And specifically that there's been this, uh, general expectation that the women are always bisexual and the men are always straight. And I think, I think partially because this social swinging or, or swally, uh, form of, of relating is expanding. Um, that too is softening a bit. And more and more men are, for instance, coming out as at least bi curious or bi comfortable or open minded. And more and more women are starting to feel like they're not obligated to have to be bisexual if they're not interested in women. And, um, so I, I, it's nice to see that that's changing. As part of the documentary, I we put out a poll, an anonymous poll that I'd I'd love to have you guys share with your community. Um, this just asks, uh, it's anonymous, and it just asks basic questions about your ENM experience, uh, about how do you identify sexually, how do you identify your relationship, uh, how do you feel it's improved your self esteem, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And one of the things I was most interested in, one of the reasons I put out the poll in the first place, was to ask how men identified um in in that sexual arena and i gave them all kinds of options you know straight and gay and bisexual bi curious bi comfortable open minded uh pansexual etc and well over 50% of the male respondents thus far identify as something other than straight and and yet i almost guarantee most of those men aren't real comfortable being open about that right now. Um, we changed in, in some of our dating profiles, we changed my listing from straight to either open-minded or by comfortable or, or something like that, because I was like, well, I, I, <laughs> we're, we're very stubborn about if that's going to hurt our chances connecting with a couple, then we don't want to be with that couple anyway. So yeah, I'm going to change my status. And sure enough, we started getting all these messages from single men and couples where the men were listed as straight, but they specifically reached out to us because they were kind of curious. And I just thought, man, 
we we got to we got to keep working towards making sure that people feel safe being their authentic selves including exploring bisexuality if they want or not if they don't yeah, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree with that more. And you know, we've we've talked about it on this podcast. I, I played as a single male uh, for for a while in the lifestyle before me and Lacey came together, and and that was very much my experience. Where couples uh, would reach out to me with that, you know, bi bisexual female and a straight male profile, and at some point in time along the conversation, you know, they they would you know ask, you know, are you comfortable with this? Are you comfortable with that? Would you be okay with yeah. this? And it was it's probably about half the couples. So I, I'm of the same where I think there's a lot more bisexual men that exist in this lifestyle. But because of social stigmas, they're afraid to to really be authentic with with that feeling. And but what, I agree, it's getting better because just in our friend group, yeah. we have seen several males come out as bi, curious, bisexual, and it seems like they're starting to get more comfortable. And I'm I'm super proud of that that they feel comfortable yep. that they can express that. Yeah, and I think we need to celebrate yep. Yep. that more when people do that, so that they do feel comfortable doing that. So yeah, I think I think you're right on on all fronts on that. <laughs> Anything else that you've been surprised about on your journey? Oh gosh, um, surprised about. Um, you know, boy, it, it sounds like all I'm been surprised about is negative things. Um, <laughs> one of the th- one of the things that I keep hearing is when people, like say in podcasts, will talk about some of the challenges. I mean, one of the things that we are sure to include in the documentary is first of all, the concept that this isn't for everyone. This isn't about proselytizing. This isn't about saying everybody should be non-monogamous, not by any stretch. Everybody has to choose their own path and one is not better than the other. Um, I do believe, like I said, that um, every couple monogamous or not, or every relationship uh, monogamous or otherwise would benefit from the kind of work that people in ethically non-monogamous relationships have to do for personal growth and relationship growth. Um, but that doesn't mean they have to become non-monogamous. And I think it's important we emphasize that this isn't for everybody. But it surprises me how many people will address that they have some pretty deep insecurities that flare up uh, during some of these um, experiences and and it's almost just accepted as well we have insecurities and so we have to try to work around them and i keep saying yes you you have to respect those insecurities and work around them while you work to heal them because you can you can heal those insecurities um and you know one of the things i emphasized with with jane my prom date is because she she i mean we've both struggled with insecurities but like, I'll say, I, I want to keep working on your fears and insecurities and getting you to the place where you, you have no anxiety about the idea of me playing with someone, not so that I can play with someone, but just for its own sake. The, I, I mean, because that's how I feel. I, I have, um, nuclear level compersion. I've got compersion like, big time. And, um, and I feel incredibly safe in our relationship. You know, I know she's crazy about me. She knows I'm crazy about her. Um, I have already gotten to that point where, um, for me, I I guess I'll tell you a little story. We, um, the first time we ever played was with a single male and, uh, you know, I went into it with my eyes open. I mean, one of the things that I'm willing to acknowledge is even though I already knew I had some pretty strong compersion, you don't know until you're in a situation how you're going to feel. And I knew that. Um, so I went into it with my eyes open, but I told her, I said, listen, as we were on our way to his house, I said, um, I don't want you to worry about what I'm comfortable with. When we get there, I want you to just enjoy yourself, just focus on, on yourself and what you want. Because I know that if I see something I don't like, I know I'll be okay to just talk to you about it tomorrow and just address it tomorrow. And 
because I feel that sort of comfort in our relationship. Well, the one thing that I hadn't ever thought about, I hadn't ever imagined in all of our, you know, pillow talk and so on was sort of the post-coital cuddling, you know, after we'd been playing for a while, um, just the two of them, you know, snuggled up and caressing each other. And oh my goodness, did I love it. And, um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, it just upped my compersion some more, but, so my point is, I feel very comfortable and very secure, and I just want her to feel that as well. And and that doesn't mean I want that so that we can play with another couple. I just want that. And and again, that brings it back to this isn't about the sex. The sex is just a thing that prompts this personal growth. And if the sex happens, it does. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We've gone to lots of parties, resorts, hotel takeovers. I mean, for for newbies, we've been quite busy in the travel arena. We we uh, you know we've played with one couple ever, um, and not anything negative about anybody. It's just that's not the goal. We just show up to these places and love meeting people and love enjoying the atmosphere. And, and we just go into every one of these with the understanding that something might happen. It might not. And it's only going to happen if we both want it to. And otherwise we're going to have a great time anyway. Yeah. That, that's a hundred percent the right, the right attitude. And, and, you know, for you being as, as new on your lifestyle journey, obviously you're very, you know, you're a smart and educated person. It seems like you've done a lot <laughs> of research uh, compared to, you know, maybe other people that just kind of jump in. Uh, but, but it sounds like you're saying all the right things and that, that's exciting to hear. And <laughs> I think more people need to, to hear that and maybe do that hard work in front of their journey to really, you know, to research this stuff and know what to expect and going into it so that, so they don't kind of jump in and get their feet burned, um, uh, before, before, you know, thinking about some of these things. Yeah. You know, and just making the relationship, the goal rather than sex, you know, so, so many people, sex is the goal. And then hopefully some cool stuff happens to the relationship. And we've just emphasized, no, no, the relationship is the goal. And then again, maybe something will happen. Maybe it won't. I, I, you know, there, there's so much to talk about and not that much time. But another thing I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is uh, the whole advocacy slash discrimination thing. So as you've traveled and you, you've talked to people, um, have you, have you noticed that, that, that people are, that are non-monogamous are experiencing discrimination? Um, and, and how is, what is the advocacy, uh, I guess, arena look like? Is there advocacy sure. groups out there fighting for, for non-monogamy? And, and, and do you even look at this as a marginalized group or is it, is it, you know, should we not even use that word? Uh, how would you? No, I, I think marginalized is quite accurate. Um, I, I think that that, for instance, is part of why it's been a challenge to include some other already marginalized groups. I mean, uh, Miche from also Expansive Connections, as an example, uh, uh, I interviewed her and because uh, of a combination of things, um, I actually shot her in front of a green screen and will be turning her into a cartoon character because she can't be fully outed. And she talked about how one of the challenges is when you're black, you already feel marginalized in society. And now if you're in this uh, alternative form of relating, that's also marginalized. So it's it compounds for a lot of people. Um, I think it's interesting that just like how um, – I've said my generation are the ones that have really had to get our head around changing our way of thinking. Uh, whereas younger uh, generations, I mean, uh, people like my children's age, they don't even know that there's a thing called the lifestyle because they're like, oh, we're just doing what comes naturally. We didn't know there was a label for it. And um, so so as the younger generations are coming up, you know, these things are going to evolve. That's how life works. Um, but Lots of people in my generation, yeah, I mean, even some event planners and stuff are still having to uh, very much keep their faces uh, hidden and stuff like that. And and it's a real shame when otherwise so many, you know, I've interviewed so many couples. I've done these road trips all over the country and spent all this time interviewing people. And every night uh, I'd call home to Jane and she'd have to listen to me gush about these amazing conversations. Um, if I do a road trip with like several interviews over the course of seven days, I'll literally like have a come down from a week of being intoxicated from these fantastic 
authentic conversations and then to have these people living their authentic lives then have to hide that from society um, because, yeah, they're real worried about reprisals. There's a, a couple we, – we live in a military town and the military absolutely will – take everything away from you if you're in the military and they find out that you're, uh, you know, breaking what they refer to as their, uh, in their morality clause. And, uh, it's, it's just tragic. I, I mean, I keep referring to the, like I said, the, the school administrator situation. So, um, we interviewed Ricky and Mandy from the Woodhull Freedom Foundation, um, at the Creating Change Conference in February. And, Boy, one of the things that really hit us in, in our chat with them was they applauded our effort. They said, man, this is great that you're, you're doing something to try to portray ethical non-monogamy in a positive light. But our position is it's none of your effing business. It's everybody's <laughs> literally constitutional right to have whatever sort of consensual adult sexual relationship that they want to have. And it's no employer's business who you sleep with. And, uh, so, you know, that's a, a battle that they're at the forefront of. Um, I'm also just interviewed Brett Chamberlain, uh, with open-love.org. Um, and they're being, you know, taking a very proactive approach to going, you know, municipality by municipality and county by county to get, uh, things like family and relationship structure included as a protected class. Uh, so that you can't be discriminated against. And I believe they've already achieved some success in, I forgot, maybe Oakland? Maryland? No, no. So, Massachusetts. Massachusetts. So, somewhere in California and then somewhere in Massachusetts. Yeah, it was some, um, some, Somerville, and, Massachusetts, I believe. Somerville, Massachusetts, and then somewhere in California. I can't remember which one it was. And um, and I think if it wasn't Oakland, it looks like Oakland is going towards that or, or something. Um, and then uh, sometime in the coming weeks, I've still got to interview Susan Wright of the National Coalition for Sexual Freedom. Uh, I was supposed to interview her at an event. She lives in Phoenix, which is just three hours from me. So that's a, an easy drive for me to get to. And we were supposed to interview her last month at an event in Phoenix, but we ended up having to postpone it until this past weekend in Houston. And then that didn't work out. So I've, I've still got to catch up with her in Phoenix, but um, yeah, we're, we're definitely talking about um, uh, some of the steps that these various advocacy groups are taking. Um, again, one of the things we touch on in the documentary is people being outed. Uh, as you probably know, Naughty Jim, they were outed in not a, not a very pleasant way and had to deal with some repercussions from that. And, uh, um, you know, we talked to a few people about their experiences being outed and who they've come out to and that sort of thing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, I mean, it's a big, uh, you know, we're, we're 100% behind Open and Brett and, and, and trying to change laws and protect people. But it, it definitely seems to me that this is a marginalized group. And, and in 2023, it, it seems silly that there's still uh, th that kind of a thing happening. And, and I do think that there's something to be said for that, you know, like, like what you were saying is, you know, this community is made up of a lot of upper middle class white people. And so them identifying as a marginalized group might be weird or difficult or feel I know when when I identify that way or you know if you say that to me oh well you're being marginalized I feel weird about even like claiming that you know what I mean so so maybe yeah. there's something to that that we don't want to necessarily you know when there's so many other marginalized groups out there we, we definitely you know we don't want to overshadow that or, or you know try right. to pretend right. like we're on that same level so I, I don't know it's, a, exactly. it's an interesting topic because it's think. all relative yep yeah. yep that's right Okay, so we got about ten minutes left. Uh, why don't you tell people um, where to find you, how to support you, how to get behind this documentary um, if they're interested in doing so? You bet, you bet. So at this point, there's still a lot of work to do on the film. Like I said, I've still got some more interviews to shoot and and some more other footage, and then I've got about three months of editing to do. And um, so uh, the other thing that's our top priority in the middle of finishing the film is just building up as much engagement with people as possible in order to, to, to demonstrate to potential streamers or distributors that we have a huge eager audience awaiting the film. And so to that end, I'm inviting people uh, to follow us on Twitter. Um, we're at swing triverts. Um, cause we'd already established that before I started the documentary. So at swing traverts is where we're at on Twitter. Um, on Instagram, we're at 
Open Journey Love. Um, the website is www.openjourneylove.com. And there at the website, we have a newsletter sign up, uh, which is, uh, we don't sell or give away anybody's email addresses. And it's just for updates on the project. So all we're going to be doing is sending out, uh, newsletters every, you know, two to four weeks, something like that. Um, just letting people know, Hey, here's what we're working on next. This is what we've gotten done so far. This is, you know, the, the status of the project. Um, and then lastly, we have a YouTube channel, uh, also open journey love, um, where, uh, as we start doing the editing, I'm going to be releasing, um, little snippets, clips from the, you know, it might be clips that won't be in the documentary, but just were interesting things we talked about in our interviews. Um, and then I'm going to release also shorter clips on Instagram and Twitter. And we're also on TikTok, but I haven't figured out how much I'm going <laughs> to, uh, I'm not a social media guy, darn it. So. <laughs> It's all right. Uh, so I, have, I have a few. I know a few friends that are that are that can maybe help you exactly. out. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Oh, I believe me, I am counting on all of you people that know more than me. <laughs> that's uh, funny. That's awesome, and we really, you know, we appreciate you sitting down and having the conversation with us and, and and your project. It definitely seems like it's kind of a, a labor of love for you. I know you've invested a lot of <sighs> time and, and and resources. Uh, and I, I, you know, there there are other, I guess. Uh, documentaries and, and stories out there, but not, I think what you're saying is not from the perspective that you're coming from. Um, yeah. And I, th- I, I think I, re- I, I honor that. Like you're not, you're not trying to capitalize on the, the sex appeal. You're not trying to, you know, it's not scandalous. It's not drama. Uh, it's an authentic look at um, a community of people that <laughs> maybe haven't been looked at in this way before. Yeah. Yeah. I really do feel like it's a unique, um, a, a unique approach to the subject. And, um, and yeah, I'm, I'm certainly, uh, you know, who knew traveling 25,000 miles with a van full of equipment was going to cost me a lot of money, but I've, uh, accumulated about, oh, well, many, many thousands of dollars in credit card debt so far doing this. So I do have, um, I, I did an Indiegogo campaign, uh, when I first launched the preview last month, but it just so happened that right before I launched it, I got hired to production design a movie. And when you work on a movie, you have no spare time. I mean, you're working 16, 18 hours a day. And so I had no time to promote the crowdfunding campaign. And so it didn't go super well. So at some point this summer, uh, probably maybe in July, you know, maybe around the time this podcast comes out, um, I uh, am going to extend it or relaunch it or whatever I have to do with Indiegogo. And I'll certainly get you guys that link um because yeah we'd love to get some support and um have people you know and we put some open journey love merchandise in there and things like that so no that's exciting yeah i think you know for me and Lacey anyway i think anybody that's sharing the story and sharing you know stories about the community in an authentic way uh you know with a good with good intentions in their heart uh we're always behind that 100 percent and uh, so definitely keep us in touch. Uh, let us know how we can help, and and we'll keep uh, sharing you and retweeting you and TikToking you and whatever the things we got to do to to get that story out there. But it seems like you know you, you've made some connections at this point for people in the community, and I, I think uh, you know you're you're only going to get more support as as you go forward. Yeah, people have been really enthusiastic about it um, uh, within the community. So yeah, I think it's going well so far. And yeah, it just, it just feels good to be, um, I mean, again, I just, I've told people, <laughs> um, that for me, uh, if, if this project, if nothing were to come of this project, I get to say that just making it has been one of the most rewarding things of my entire life. I mean, just meeting all these amazing people and having these cool conversations has been downright soul nourishing. And, um, so I can't complain, but that said, I have a great deal of confidence in the project. I really feel like the world has gotten to a point where it's kind of, in spite of the fact that, uh, there is so much controversial and hateful and painful stuff going on in the world right now with, you know, anti-LGBT things and, and so on. I still believe that in general, the world is ready to start learning about some of these new concepts with regard to relationships and so on. So I just, I really feel like the world's ready to hear something new. Yeah, no, I I think so too. All right. So uh, what's the website one more time? It's www.openjourneylove.com. 
All right. Well, go check out Roderick. Go check out uh, his documentary. Get, uh, get behind him. Uh, we'll definitely be keeping you guys in touch on our social media. So, so to stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll drop that link in our show notes as well if you need to find that. Um, and I, I really want to thank you again for uh, taking the time to sit down with us, Roderick. Uh, we appreciate that. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks for letting me come talk to your uh, community. All right. Of and I think with that, Lacey, in a world full of apples. Be the pineapple. Be the pineapple, guys. Bye. Bye. If you've enjoyed our podcast and want to support us, leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. If you want to see more of our content, you can find links to Snapchat, Twitter, Instagram, OnlyFans, and more in the show notes. Come join the conversation with us and other Swinger content creators on our Swinger Society Discord server. If you have questions or feedback, email them to us at theswingnation at gmail.com. Make sure you head on over to theswingnation.net and keep up to date on all things Swing Nation. We thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Goodbye.